Hi friends, welcome along. This is the Influence Podcast. If you're looking to inspire more people, have a positive impact on a global scale, build an influential and magnetic brand, and build a profitable business with your unique gifts and talents, then the Influence Podcast is for you. I'm your host, Jake Adam Davey, former high school French and Spanish teacher, turned international speaker, online business coach, and Instagram growth and monetization enthusiast. You can find tools, resources, and so much more on the website, jakeadamdavy.com. And you can also say hello on Instagram at jakeadamdavy. Please also, if you're enjoying the podcast, do feel free to leave a review. The more stars, the better, of course. But equally, if you're not enjoying it, you are still invited to leave a review. The one thing I would also ask is, of course, sharing is caring. So if you've listened to something or heard something in the podcast that you think you've enjoyed or would be useful and beneficial to other people, then please do hit that share button and pass it on to somebody that you know. I'd be so very, very grateful and so thankful if you did. Now let's dive into today's episode on the Influence Podcast. Okay, hello, welcome along. This is the Influence Podcast and I am super excited about today's episode. And chances are, if you are here, then you've seen the marketing around it, you've seen emails around it, you've seen our social media posts around it, and you are in for a treat. Uh, I'm so excited to introduce uh, Michelle E. Dickinson. And Michelle is with us today. I'm going to read a little bit about Michelle first, and then I'm going to ask her to say a quick hello, and then we're going to dive in straight away. So Michelle E. Dickinson, she is a passionate mental health advocate. She's a TED speaker, um, which I love. I've been checking that out over the weekend, Michelle, um, and a published author as well of a memoir entitled Breaking Into My Life. And after years of playing the role of caregiver for her bipolar mother, uh, Michelle embarked on her own healing journey of self-discovery. The, the memoir offers a rare glimpse into a young girl's experience living with and loving her bipolar mother. And Michelle spent years working to eradicate the mental health stigma within her, within her own workplace by elevating compassion, causing more open conversations and leading real change in how mental illness is understood in the workplace. Michelle also knows firsthand what it feels like to struggle with mental illness after experiencing her own depression due to her challenging life events of her own just a few years ago. Michelle's recently concluded her 19 year pharmaceutical career and became an entrepreneur, which we are absolutely delighted for you, Michelle, about that as well. And she's emerged from her own challenging life events with a strong desire to positively impact the mental health landscape within the first responder community, the workplace, and within local communities. Michelle, I am so excited to have you with us today. Welcome to the Influence Podcast. Thank you for having me, Jake. I'm so excited to be here. It's it's a pleasure and genuinely the, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, it really is. I've been excited to chat with you for a while. We've been introduced um, through a mutual friend. I'll, I'll, I think we'll circle back around to that in a little in a little a while. Um, I was watching your TED talk over the weekend and I'm going to start, if I may, with a, a phrase that you said in that. I hope it's, I apologize if it's the wrong tone from the start, but it, it, like that stuck out to me straight away. So it, it meant right. something for me and I just wondered uh, if you could add a bit of context around this. So the phrase that you, you said was, I was always waiting for her to let me in. Now, yeah. for people that are just, just tuning in or just listening to this for the first time, and maybe they don't know a lot about you, could you just give a bit of context? Who is that that you were, that you were waiting to let you in? And, and what's the context? My mom, 
yeah, my mom, of course, my mom, she was, um, you know, she had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So there was a lot of her, um, a lot of her life, she was very sick, but when she was well, she was also, uh, very distant. She wasn't a typical loving, nurturing, caring mother. Um, and I just, uh, always felt like I could never reach her. You know, I had like these tiny moments right after shock therapy where she was sort of, um, sort of back to herself, but not really. Um, but yeah, it was, it was always a constant, like, um, need of mine as a little girl to just want to connect with my mom. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's, it, it, it and that, that ultimately was the major thing, or, or would that be fair to say that that was one of the major things that has then propelled you onto what you do now? Would that be fair to say? Exactly. But you know, I would have never thought I would be doing what I'm doing. I mean, I, I was minding my own business, working my corporate job, doing my thing. And someone nominated me to give that TED talk. And that pretty much changed the trajectory for how things were going to go for me. I got really connected to the power of storytelling, the power it had to help people who were impacted by mental illness to not feel alone or isolated. And that led me to write my memoir, which led me to do more public speaking and help people be comfortable with the brain, uh, which ultimately led me to start my own company. Could you, could you give us just a little bit of context about what that's like as a child when you're caring for a mom with, with bipolar? Yeah, I equate it to a lot like being on a roller coaster. There's a lot of extreme highs and a lot of deep lows. Like yeah. my mom was, you know, when she wasn't manic, she was abusive. When she wasn't abusive, she was depressed and crying unconsolably. Um, it was a lot for a little girl to sort of digest because no one wants to see their mother crying and not be able to help ease their pain. Um, so it was hard and it was a role reversal pretty much. I was looking after her most of the time. My father worked. My father would ask me to stay home from school if she was too fragile to be alone and I would stay with her. Um, but yeah, it was, it definitely shaped me that experience shaped me as a, as a woman. Yeah. I, I, yeah, absolutely. And what do you feel are some of the, the major traits, maybe isn't the right word, but ma major strengths that you have now that have come out from them? Yeah, I have an insatiable desire to end suffering because I witnessed suffering firsthand and then I experienced depression myself. So I find that I'm much I find that I'm deeply compassionate, even um, an empath to people who are suffering. It, it's hard for me to be around someone who's suffering. I just want to help them. Um, taught me resilience, you know, uh, how, to, how to be strong, how to create sunshine on a rainy day. I mean, there were moments when I would spend time with my mom and that thick, dark cloud of her sadness would like engulf me. And I would learn how to like look outside and see the bird on the tree and see the sunshine and, and remind myself that, you know, there it's, it's going to be okay. There's good going on as well. Yeah. And how, so how did the, from, from that situation, cause that is, as you say, it, it totally transforms your role within the family. And then 
I guess, as you're growing up, relationships with friends, engagement with school, which you mentioned as well. You know, you were asked by your dad to stay home from school as well. So what did the first few I guess, what, what did the, the years look like as you started to, to, to grow older, perhaps moved, moved out? I'm not sure if you moved away from home, if you stayed at home. What did those few years look like as yeah. you started to get older? You know, you, you enter your rebellious teenage years where you're like, I'm not taking this on. I just want to be with my friends. I just want to have fun. I mean, for me, I, I threw myself into my work. I, I worked at a restaurant because you know what? The restaurant gave me accolades and props for doing a good job. And I would do all of that work at home and I wouldn't get anything. It wasn't, it was like sort of taken for granted the work that I would do at home. So when I found this job, I worked and worked and got, you know, got compensated for it, got recognized for it. So that was really uh, fulfilling for me. Um, but there were fights. I mean, I was a teenager too, so I didn't want to conform. I didn't want to stay home. I didn't want to be forced to stay home and care for her when my friends were having fun. Um, so it was hard. It was, it was ultimately, I, I think I ran away from home a few times and lived, lived with a friend and came back home and yeah, it was definitely, uh, an experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so fast forward to today, or I guess more um within the past few years who principally do you work with now who do you i don't know if it might be that you get the greatest buzz from working with people if that's the right term or who do you get the biggest kick out of from working with who or who can you feel you can have the biggest impact with you know something happened to me when i was working in my last corporate job and i i was diagnosed diagnosed with depression. I had never experienced mental illness. I've always just seen it at the lens of my, through, of my mom. Like I never really experienced what that felt like. So then I was diagnosed with depression going through a divorce. And, and I remember we were leading the first mental health employee resource group of its kind, fastest growing global. It was amazing. And I said to myself, I have to lead by example. I have to go first. So I told my boss, I said, listen, I've been diagnosed with depression and I'm struggling, but I'm doing the best I can, blah, blah, blah. And six months later, she, in my performance review said to me, you just didn't bring your bubbly, upbeat self to work every day. We, we, you know, you really just didn't, you didn't deliver and you didn't bring it that, that person we knew. And I was just like, how incredibly insensitive is that? And to how many other employees is that happening? Because it really, it really took something for me to share that. So that is what ignited this passion in my belly to shift cultures. We need workplaces where managers are educated. We need cultures of compassion. So that's why I created my company was I can make a difference one-on-one for sure. I love listening to people, supporting people one-on-one for sure or I can get into organizations and help shift culture. So people of all invisible disabilities do not feel less than that they are celebrated. They're given what they need to thrive. So I work with organizations to shift cultures. And I also over this pandemic have, have reached thousands of employees with my resilience program. And that's something we all need right now as we're, you know, just trying to figure out the rest of this pandemic and quarantine. So that's been deeply fulfilling for me. Yeah, I was, I was, gonna, I was gonna say. So, how has the past, how have the past 12, 13, 14 months shifted? Yeah. Perhaps what you've been doing, or the focus, or maybe the, the need. Uh, what's yeah. been the, the major changes that you've seen over the past, you know, year and a half? 
Yeah, a lot of employers are recognizing that what they currently were doing is not enough in the face of a pandemic. You know, an employee hotline for mental illness support is the foundation, but there should be more to help their people now more than ever. So what I've been seeing is those organizations where leaders genuinely care about their people and want to keep them feeling good and engaged, because obviously it's going to affect their bottom line. Um, so like, so I've been supporting them in, in that regard. And it's, it's interesting because, um, organizations have different needs. Like I'm working with one client who the chronic complaint in their organization is loneliness. Well, we had a loneliness issue before this pandemic and it's just exacerbated now where people are isolated. So I'm helping them, uh, with my, with my program to build and help them deal with the feelings of loneliness. Um, so it's been interesting because I, I, I love the organizations that want to do more to support their people because the way we used to do things is, is no longer enough. How does, or where does, and this is a very big question, but where do you think the root cause is for a lot of mental health issues? Is there a, a one single root cause or does it, does it totally depend on what the challenge is? You mentioned loneliness as an example. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it, so it depends. Like with my mother, my mother, um, like she had, she had bipolar disorder. We think from a past trauma that eventually surfaced. So that was a past trauma, you know. But we all have different life experiences and different traumas, and they all affect us in different ways. So I think the first mistake that we make is we we don't even stop and pause and acknowledge how we're feeling like emotionally, you know, you know how you get up in the morning, you, you lay in bed and you're like, okay, oh, my ankle still hurts. My shoulder's still bothering me. We do this body scan, but we don't actually do like a well-being scan. So it's like getting present to how are we feeling on the day to day? Because if we can acknowledge that we're slipping, then we can, we can tell a loved one and allow them a chance to be a contribution to us and help us but we don't even acknowledge it. So therefore we don't articulate it. And then before you know it, we're in a very dark place, a very deep, dark place, and we're trying to get out of it. So I think there's work to be done around normalizing just how we're feeling. Like we're teaching little kids to talk about their feelings more. Yeah. So why are we not as adults acknowledging our emotional status? Yeah, you, you mentioned something there, which I think is, is fascinating. And I've heard this said before, but when, but the idea that by acknowledging and sharing, you're almost giving somebody else the opportunity to step up to that role, right? And actually, you're giving somebody else the chance to to. I, I don't know what the phrase would be, but but for them to step step in and say, actually, well, you know, I, I can listen. You know, I can maybe yeah. maybe advise, or I mean, yeah. I guess listening is the first thing, but advise. Yeah. I can recommend, or I can just be there at the end of the day. Yes. So. Yes. Um, is that something that you teach as well? Like the, that, that the, do. By doing that, you're bringing other people in and, and all, almost giving them the chance to shine as well. Exactly. I feel like we as, as a society want to look away because we feel like we, we can't fix it. We don't actually have to fix it. We just need to be present and listen and be a bridge for them to get support. 
And I think a lot of people feel like, oh, I, I, I can't, or they, let me step over that. They, I'm sure they have someone at home who's checking on them. Not really, not really. It might not be the case. You could be the only person checking on them. So I think, um, yeah, I do. I, I, I mean, compassion is just being a good human being. And when you see someone who's not quite right, you have the courage to check in and say, how are you doing? I'm noticing your personality. Something is a little off with you. Hey, I'm here if you want to talk. Um, that can go so far and it's yeah. so important. Yeah, absolutely. And how, um, I guess, how, so I guess where, I, where I'm, where I would then go next is how do you, how does somebody first bring that, bring that up? Or how does somebody first share that? If, if that's a challenge that they're having, um, where they're feeling that is that how do they bring that up or within a company let's say you're you mentioned that you're looking at cultural change in the company so how do you how do you work with companies to encourage them to to get that conversation started and, and get the ball rolling you you know it it it's going to take change you know if you have a culture that's closed off and isn't talking about these things you cannot expect an employee to feel comfortable just outward talking about it. You have to do things within the company to say, we are a safe space. We are a stigma-free space. You have to, you know, maybe find those leaders who are willing to tell their story um, to really set the tone for the organization. Um, because to ask someone, you know, openly in the workplace to go first, it's going to be really hard. So there has to be other things in place, like open dialogue about what's available in terms of mental health support, um, maybe roundtable discussions or a panel discussion where you have people, just different people talking about different resources. Just getting the conversation going is going to promote a different vibe or energy within the company. Um, and then like I always say, as I mentioned, you have a one leader who says, let me, let me stand up and, and talk about my anxiety or my depression or the moment in my life when blah, blah, blah happened. Um, because that really makes us relate to one another as human beings first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So almost, again, I think you, you picked it out perfectly. If somebody, for somebody to within an organization to say, I've got a problem when it's not part of the culture uh, and right. for them to kind of feel that they need to go first, it's not only that they're struggling, but then they also need to go the extra step again to then make that public in a, in a space that they don't necessarily know is safe to do that. Whereas by reversing it around and somebody who perhaps has that position of authority within a company or uh, whoever that may be, but it's, it's because it's, there's a lead on that, it's much easier to follow that as opposed to be the person out the door and, and going, what may be against the grain, would that be fair to say? Yeah, because then you're around the virtual water cooler and you're talking about that leader and their story and the courage it took for them to share and then how you relate to it. It's it starts a flurry of conversations. Potentially it can, yeah. right? Which is which is the bridge that we need to have people stop suffering in silence. Yeah, absolutely. And how 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 has your role changed or how has it been impacted or how are how has the way that companies approach this perhaps been impacted over the past uh, 12, 15 months? Yeah, you know, I'm seeing a lot of um, organizations that, um, you know, I mentioned the loneliness piece. I mentioned um, the mindset piece. A lot of people, 
they just have COVID fatigue. They're on too many, you know, video calls. They're trying to navigate caring for their children and homeschooling them. There's been a lot of strain. And, you know, if you look, burnout actually is higher now that we're working from home. In the States, we're still working from home. But burnout is higher because what's happening is people are working longer hours. There's no commute time. The, the, their home office is in their home. So they, they hop back on after dinner and they're putting in more hours while productivity is up. Employees are burning out. And you factor in the fact that we're not really taking holidays or vacations yet because of how we're feeling about the pandemic. So they're not getting that rest. They're not getting that recharge and that. So, you know, the reason why I, I love the work I do is like, I'm reminding people set boundaries get the exercise in, get a massage, get away from your apartment or your home and go to a park and get it out in nature. Because these are things that we just stay on the hamster wheel and keep going and keep going. And we're going to burn out if we keep working as much as we're working. Yeah, absolutely. I, you literally like you pulled so many of the, the, the thoughts out of my head as well um, over in terms of like the yeah productivity might be up yes you do you do more hours on your company or your business or in work and such but just the amount of additional time that people put in you know no commute as you say some people might be traveling 15 minutes some people an hour and 30 right and suddenly all that's become work time as well there's no separation Uh from what they were doing previously and and home life um also work and, and and home life merges into one um what's the what what's kind of the if, if you were either for people within a, a larger company or say for entrepreneurs a, a big audience that we we have here are entrepreneurs or people starting their entrepreneurial journey um people working from home perhaps solopreneurs as well do you have any um do you have any sort of tips recommendations specific steps action plans those types of things that they could start to to implement uh, or that they could use or useful tools that they could use when, you know, if, if they're, or maybe, maybe even before they get to the point where if, if, if you're like, they're, they're struggling, I'm not sure if struggling is the right phrase, yeah. to use, but things that they can put in place before that. You know, Jake, I did not understand the life of the entrepreneur until I became one. Like I had heard that these guys grind, you know, you hear Gary Vaynerchuk just grind, grind, grind. And, and so I didn't realize it until I started my own company and I was wearing 15 different hats. I had all these deliverables to get done and I started to do what most entrepreneurs do. And that is work around the clock. And I was starting to feel the effects of that. And then I was feeling the isolation as a single woman living alone with my dogs. Um, I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. So at first it was heaven, but then after a while you become very lonely and disconnected. It's very easy. So, you know, some of the things that I've learned even as a new entrepreneur to do is to make sure that I'm keeping connection with my core group of people. And they're, most of them are all in the entrepreneur space. So they get your world and you can just connect with them and talk to them. It doesn't have to be a video chat. It can just be a phone call, but it's staying connected before you hit the point where you're like, oh my goodness, I seriously um, am not doing well. I'm seriously not doing well. The other thing is that I stopped working on Sundays. I used to work seven days a week. I was working, doing some kind of work, most of the time working Saturday until like midday. And then I would take 
take a few hours to, for myself, but now I just stop working Sunday altogether. And I go and I do something for myself on that day. And that is my, now it's my new routine. I will not change it because I recognize how important it is to do that for myself. So I can come back on Monday recharged. So those, those are the things that I've been doing is the connection with people who get it and uh, making sure that I'm getting some downtime. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I think the, the idea of a, 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 like almost like a self-care Sunday kind of thing, you know, where Absolutely. You actively, Absolutely. yeah, actively away mm-hmm. from, uh, I mean, in, in, in our, I say our case, but in the, the case of people that we speak to a lot and work with, it's generally social media, if they're building their business on social media, uh, but any kind of technology, as you say, you know, opening their emails, even to an extent, it could be it could be watching watching things on online and and um, and such. But any kind of disconnect, um, yeah. yeah, I fully agree with. I fully agree with. Mm-hmm. So, how? Because this this is always something which I, I I've thought as well. So to to give a bit of context, I think about ten years ago when I was working, I was uh, within my first couple of years of teaching. Uh, I was a teacher for eight years, um, and after you know, quite a bit of up and down, I went to the doctors and I was diagnosed with a mild form of depression. Um, And I can definitely see, particularly over the past year or so, that there's been more, um, well, maybe maybe more ups and downs, or certainly it becomes more apparent um, through the the, the pandemic and such. But equally, I personally, I'm very conscious that there's a lot of things that I'm very fortunate to have. You know, I, I mean, I've not been isolated. I've, I, I have a, a flatmate and partner and such. So, you know, I, even through the pandemic, I've not been alone. I know that people are, are alone during that time. Um, and so, but but equally from from your own personal story, you know, from from you know caring from with a, uh, for a mother with with bipolar. How, I guess what I guess what I'm trying to say is, it feels like it, are there some instances where some people feel I don't, it's not right for me to, to be depressed or feel down or have, uh, you know, that, that anxiety and loneliness because I'm so fortunate in all these other areas. And I think it, it could be justified, as you say, because, you know, you had, you know, a very challenging um, time when you were younger, whereas yeah. other people who perhaps had two parents, you know, the, the brother, sister, dog, great schooling, all this kind of thing. Is it okay for them to, to also say that? In my, in my mind, I think I've, I've always felt very fortunate in my upbringing. So it feels yeah. a, bit, a bit crazy to say, well, maybe I'm, I'm struggling as well. So what are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, one of the things I hit home in the resilience program that I teach is that we are not all in the same boat. You know, we've been saying that, oh, we're all in the same boat with this pandemic thing. We're actually not. We're all in the same ocean or the same body of water, but we're all in very unique boats because our past life experiences, like our traumas that we live through, all of those life experiences play into how we're reacting to this experience of this pandemic. It's a very unique experience, right? So how, stop comparing yourself to the person in the boat next to you. Maybe because they seem like they got it all going on and, you know, and, and they're doing well and you're not, you're, you're just you, you're just dealing with it the best way you can. And, and, and don't feel guilty if you're dealing with it. And if you're struggling as you're dealing with it, because you're a human being and like nobody expected us to have to live through a pandemic. And these are really hard experiences that we're having with being isolated, not being able to engage in the lives that we want, 
not being able to be with loved ones, the, the sense of loss, the loss of a loved one, the loss of everything that we had, we were doing. So give yourself grace. That is the one thing I hit home over and over and over. Give yourself grace and don't be upset or ashamed that you're struggling because in the US, the CDC says one in three Americans are dealing with depression or anxiety. One in three. It used to be one in five before this pandemic used to be one in five would deal with some type of mental health imbalance in their lifetime. And now we're at one in three, like what? Like give yourself grace. This is not easy for any one of us. And um, the worst thing you can do is think I'm just gonna power through with this and power and ignore my feelings and power through this because they're not gonna go away. They're just gonna get worse. So it's to your best interest to acknowledge them, talk to someone, get support if you need it. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, those numbers are staggering, by the way. One in, I mean, one in three is, is quite remarkable uh, in the US. Yeah. And I, 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 don't, I don't know what it is in the UK, but it, it's, I, it would surprise close. me if it was something very similar, you know, very similar yeah. indeed. Um, that's, that is quite remarkable. Could I ask then, so, so for people that are in the, in the position at the moment, actually, let's just, just take one step back. Um, yeah. You mentioned your journey to becoming an entrepreneur. Um, and seeing the kind of the, the ups and downs and such, um, how do how do how do you know that it's the right journey for you? And and how do and I'm speaking more so to entrepreneurs and and business owners that are listening to this as well. If they are consistently having those ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs, how do they know if it is actually the right thing for them? Do they know if it's the right thing for them? Is is the way that they're feeling maybe guiding them in saying this isn't right for you? And is that something they should be listening to? Or is it, and, and where do you draw the line between actually, no, that's just the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. And as you say, wearing 15 hats. What are your yeah. thoughts? You know, it's one of those things where like, I, I have, I have moments. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I would say I'm 90% sure that this is where I'm supposed to be, but I also am a firm believer that life is happening for me. Right. So with all the obstacles that show up, it just is testing my commitment to what I say I want to do. Right. It's just testing you. It's like, are you sure? Are you sure? So I don't, I, I think you, I, you should look at those as opportunities to make sure that that's where you should be. And if you're not, then, you know, maybe you regroup, but, um, I don't, I believe that there's no coincidences that everything is happening for us. So even, you know, my first year, I will tell one on myself, my first year of business, like I struggled, I couldn't find a way to reach my audience. I was, I had like every now and then I had a random client, but then things started to pick up and people were like, oh my gosh, you have something that we need. And I started to believe in myself. That was the other thing. I had a, a mindset coach who was like, you got to get your mind straight and you got to get your sphere of support around you. People that get your world, get, get away from corporate people because they don't understand you. Um, so I, I would say, you know, trust the journey, trust the journey, surround yourself with good people and make sure you're feeding your mind some really good nutrition. And when I say nutrition, I mean, what are you listening to? What are you watching? Are you, are you getting energy from it or is it draining you? Yeah. Could I, I, this, this maybe fast forwards a little bit into the, 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 uh, the lightning round. Don't worry. It's nothing dangerous. 
Um, but the, <laughs> but the, uh, well, that's one of the questions that I, I would ask you in a moment, but let's go there now. Um, how do you feed your mind? You know, how do you, how do you find a, a great diet for your, your mind and what type of things do you do? And is there anything that you could share and recommend? Yeah. I mean, oh my goodness. There's so much amazing content on, uh, I mean, there's just so much amazing content. So the first thing that my, my coach told me to do is a, a new entrepreneur was like, you got to consume some books. You got to start with, you know, the four agreements you got to, you, you know, you got to. And so audiobooks. I was doing nothing but audiobooks at one point. Now he switched me over and, uh, he's teaching me. Um, there's a guy that I've been listening to. What is his name? I don't even, Aaron, Aaron, something on YouTube. I can give you his information, but he's all about mindset. And he's like, you know, reminding you that, you know, when you're attached to something being a certain way, you're closed off to other opportunities, to other ways of it going. Um, I listened to a lot of Esther and Jerry Hicks, which is the law of attraction, you know, um, things that are going to elevate my energy and have me thinking in a a good way. Um, Yeah. And I turn off the media, Jake, turn off the news, like turn off the news. And I, I really am needing to also monitor how much social media I'm intaking because not all of it's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. fully agree with a lot of that. I'm keen to, we'll put some of those links in show notes. I'll get that from you later if I may. Um, from those links on, on YouTube and such, uh, and the law of attraction. Absolutely. I think that's, I would trust that that's pretty well known amongst the, the listeners as well. Um, yeah. Aaron, Aaron dot, Aaron dot Dottie. D-O-U-G-H-T-Y. He helps people elevate their consciousness. And he's he's amazing. He's got amazing content out there on YouTube. Aaron Dotty, Dotty, maybe. Is it A double R or A is it double A? Double A. Yeah. R-O-N and then Dotty. D-O-U-G-H-T-Y. Perfect. Thank you. I will put that link in. I'm typing away now. I'll put that in there. And then Esther and um Esther and Jerry Hicks, but I think you can just look up um, Esther, Esther Hicks. Yes, that, I believe that that has been mentioned in the, uh, in the podcast before as well. So we will share that. Esther, is it E-S-T-E-R? Yes, Esther Hicks. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, I'll put those links in the show notes for people. Or Abraham. It also comes up as Abraham Hicks, but but, but just good stuff. Good mind, good mind food. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, we talk so much at the moment about feeding the feeding the body. Right. And of course, we feed our mind in exactly the same way. And as you mentioned, removing things, removing news, uh, potentially removing maybe negative influences, negative people as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Also very important. So I'm, 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 I'm quite conscious of time, but I'm, I'm keen to dig a little bit further into that. Um, is there any, if, if that list, I'm going to, I'm going to mix actually the kind of our lightning round with a few of these questions that I'm keen to, to get into. Sure. You kind of have, um, is there like a specific routine or um, like in the morning, maybe middle of the day to reset, maybe at the end of the day so you can get from work mode into um I guess home home life, even though you know we're still many are still working from home. Do you have any particular routines that you use at the moment, or anything you could recommend? Something that you find particularly good for you? Um, so I do uh, meditations by a woman named Sarah Blondin. 
She's amazing. She's on Insight Timer and she's also on YouTube for free. So you don't have to get the app. So meditation has really helped to calm my mind. So I try to, in the morning, I get up and I'm either taking a 5 a.m. or a 6 a.m. class that I take um, at my gym. And so successful leaders in the world are the early in quarantine, it was easy. So I just decided, you know what, my morning routine needs to be my Bible needs to be what I do to feel good for myself before I sit down and start doing all this work where I'm, you know, at behind a, a computer all day. So I make sure I get a good workout in. I'm making sure that I'm um, doing a meditation because it's sort of like the wet washcloth. You're sort of like wringing out the wet washcloth of all the unnecessary thoughts. Yeah. so that you can have laser focus. So I, I can't stress meditation enough. Um, those are the two key things that I do. I do have a gratitude routine. I have something on my phone called the five minute journal where I journal three gratitudes every morning. Yeah. It gets me present to the things that are good in my life. So I'm not looking at the deficits in my life. So there, that's also part of my, my morning routine. Perfect. Perfect. So early riser, um, classes at the gym and uh, meditation you've mentioned as well. Any particular type of meditation? What was the, the lady's name you mentioned? Yeah, Sarah Blondin. Her her voice is so soothing. Sarah Blondin um, has a series on Insight Timer. She's a teacher on Insight Timer, but then she also has free meditations you can find on YouTube. Perfect. Thank you for that. You're literally yeah. giving, giving absolute gold for, for people. And this is, this is the thing I love, right? It's literally practical tip people can people can listen to this and they can go away and yeah. and identify three four five different things that they need and they can start they can start absolutely but yeah. let's let's flip back to, to your expertise again i'm keen to come back there and you've written your own book you, you you've written the book breaking into my life tell us a little right. bit about that and who who is that for yeah so i wrote breaking into my life after i gave the ted talk because i knew the power of uh you know, storytelling. And I thought if I could vividly reflect the experiences of growing up and loving my mother, maybe I could help people understand mental illness who had no relationship to mental illness themselves because they'd never been affected by it. So it's really a humanistic, like a, a human um, approach, like helping people really understand mental illness. And, I, you know, through this different experiences that I write about, I humanize it so that you don't think it's just something out there that you can't relate to. Um, it takes a, the reader on a journey from my early childhood all the way up until my adult life and the experiences along the way that shaped me. But then ultimately at the end of the book, there is an, um, an epilogue that highlights all of the good that it has taught me and how those experiences have served me. Yeah. So it wasn't without a lot of self-discovery work that I reached that point. There were many years when I was angry and bitter at my mom, but I got there and the book is very uplifting at the end. You, you speak a lot about the, the seeing the, the positive elements and the benefits and such of, of what many may see is that, you know, I, I mean, they are, or generally I would say that, that we would class those being very, very difficult things. Is that a big part of, the I guess healthy maybe being healthy emotionally and, and, and mental health as well is that a big part is being able to accept something and see both sides to something that yes the, the negative side of it but then also the 
the positives, the strength that it allows you to, to get from that experience. Is that a big part of it as well, being able to see both the positive and negative in, in these events? Yeah, but it doesn't come easy. I mean, it also, it requires work because, you know, I was always at the effects of my mother's abuse. My mother was very emotionally, physically, and mentally abusive. And so when you're at the effects of someone else's abuse, all you can see is that effect and you can easily hate them for, for how they're, how they're harming you. It was through years of self-discovery that I realized that my mother was not her illness. Her illness was what was mean to me. And I can have forgiveness for her because she did the best she could at raising a daughter while having a mental illness. That is not something I always believed and knew. Um, but that also afforded me to step back and start to look at things objectively, you know, like other things in life that happens. Like I said, life is always happening for you. I believe that. And you know, that's Tony Robbins 101. I mean, I did a lot of his work because I knew I had to, I had to really discover myself. So now when things happen in my life and upsets occur, I just try to take a step back and say, this sucks right now, but for some reason, this is going to serve me and I'm going to learn from it. Um, so it takes a level of self-reflection, you know, really understanding yourself, um, and maturity, I guess. Is there a particular process that you have to do that? Is that something that if say an event happens, a major event happens, or even maybe if a smaller event happens, do you have a specific mm -hmm. process that you go through or is it more about time? Is it, is, yeah. is, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's like a muscle. You just have to keep practicing it with the smallest upsets to the biggest upsets. I mean, I've had things happen to me that are little that I, I just shake my head and go, well, this really sucks. Okay, and what's next? You know, um, it's kind of like jumping up and down when you get a flat tire. Jumping up and down isn't going to change a damn thing. You might as well just deal with it, change the tire, move along. You know, the upset is what we create around disagreeing with our reality. So if we stop disagreeing with our reality and just deal with it powerfully, then we move forward and move beyond it. Yeah. So I don't, but I also went through years and years of self-discovery work and, and clinical support, you know, in therapy to reach that realization. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I understand. So could I ask that I'm going to, I'm going to ease into the, the, the lightning round, which is right. Um, uh -huh relatively uh, um, quick fire questions, but they certainly don't have to be quick fire answers by any means. Um, is, there, is there a person close or distant? So it might be somebody that you, you, you know very well. It might be somebody you've perhaps never met, but you've been Im impacted by them. Um, who has had the biggest impact and influence on where you are today? Probably my coach. Yeah, probably my coach who's in Las Vegas and I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I, probably him because he helped me get my, he helped me in the early days of my entrepreneur journey, uh, get out of my own way. Yeah. So, yeah. Could I further that and, and ask, how did you find your coach? Was it, was it, a, well, <laughs> let me leave it open. Yeah, Clubhouse. No, I found him on Clubhouse. I heard him, I heard him generously helping people he had never met in clubhouse. And I thought, who is this man? I need to talk to him. He can help me. And I reached out to him amongst a sea of DMS that he got on clubhouse and he reached back out to me. Wow. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. I love it. I love it. So it is true that, you know, even through the powers of social media, through lockdown and, and such, that there are still tools out there and ways that we can connect with people that, that genuinely can have a huge impact on what we're doing now. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. And so in, in terms of reading, we've talked about uh, habits and such, but in terms of reading um, books, you mentioned um, the, 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 uh, the Abraham Hicks, Law of Attraction, uh, Aaron Do Doty, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, the meditation practice as well. Uh, obviously, you've got, you've got your own book, but is there a particular, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with book, is there a particular book that you recommend to people more than, say, others, or that you often come back to yourself and, and, and go over? Is there something that you've got that kind of really, just something that you would highly recommend to people? Um, I would say it all starts with the four agreements. That book, The Four Agreements, is really, um, it sets the tone and it has you realize uh, the domestication um, concept, okay. especially as an entrepreneur. I mean, we need to know um, we're different. We're not like the common person. And that book really helped me see that, um, that I was different and it was okay and gave me those principles of the four agreements to live my life by. Perfect. I have to be totally open and say, I had not heard of that book before, but that is really? going to be, no, but that is going to be my next read. Um, nice. Yeah. So that is something, well, I don't say something, there's so much I'm going to take away from today, but that's another thing that I literally, I could go after this and go and download that book. So that's, that's by Don Miguel Ruiz, I think is, is the name. Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, the four, That's correct. Yeah, okay. The four uh, agreements. So I can read them. It's um, be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. But there's chapters around each of them that you have to read. I love it. Just say those four again. Just say them one more time. Sure. Sure. Be impeccable with your word. And don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. Those, I think those four are pretty good principles and, 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 and rules for life right there, aren't they? They are. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That, that immediately gets me thinking of, of books like um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And yeah. um, uh, I'm, I'm looking at my wall here because I, I have them written down. Um, Jack Canfield, Success Principles and such. But I'm definitely yeah. going to take a look at that. So thank you. Um, yeah. well, thank you on behalf of everyone listening, but for me personally as well, for that recommendation, sure. I'm going to take a look at that. Um, if, you, if, if, if you could get sort of one major message out to the world, if there was something that you, you, you could share and impart with people that you kind of want to have a lasting impression with, I should probably ask this question last, but let, let's go with it now. If there was something that you could leave people with that they kind of take away, and it stays with them, what would it be? What would that thought or saying or phrase be? It's okay to not be okay. Like give yourself permission to not be okay. Because if you give yourself permission to not be okay, then you'll talk to someone about it or you'll get care and you won't suffer in silence. And the suffering in silence is what has led to so many suicides and every life on this planet is precious. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it give yourself permission to not be okay. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Final question. Uh, I'm very conscious of time and I, I want to be respectful. 
um, of your time, but I'm, I'm, I already feel like I'd like to do another one, uh, another follow-up because I've, I've loved it. So thank you so much, uh, Michelle. But last question, I, I ask this for everybody that comes on um, the, uh, the show. Of course, the, the podcast is called Influence. Um, mm -hmm. So I have to ask, what does the word influence mean to you? Making a positive impact on someone's life. Perfect. I think that's great. Yeah, thank you so much. So where can people connect with you? Uh, where can people find you? Is there somewhere specific that you would recommend if, if people want to know more, if, if they maybe are struggling themselves, if they're, they're looking to, to understand more about your, your journey, your process, there are companies out there or individual entrepreneurs, where should they go and where can they, where's easiest for them to connect with you? Well, on Instagram is probably the most common, which is Michelle Dickinson 71. Um, my website for workplace mental health is careforyourpeople.com. And then my personal website is michelledickinson.com. Perfect. Thank you. We will put all of those mm -hmm. links in the show notes. Um, I love that you said Instagram first. That made my heart skip a little bit there. So thank you for that. Yeah. Which is perfect. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't have asked for anything better. So uh, in, uh, Instagram um, and the, the personal site and also the, the, the company site with that as well. Careforyourpeople.com. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so we'll put all those links in the show notes as well. Michelle, thank you so much. Is there anything you'd just like to say or would like to share just before we wrap up today? Thank you for talking about mental health, Jake. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate it. Genuinely. Thank you so much. Uh, I would love to do this again sometime. Thank you for your time. I know how valuable this is. Uh, for everybody that's been listening, do connect with Michelle. Um, and I fully agree. Giving yourself permission to, to not be okay and, uh, and open up the conversation, start that conversation if needed. Michelle, thank you so much. And for everybody that's been okay. listening, thank you as well. We will see you in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, friends. Jake here again. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find links to anything that we've discussed, books, trainings, other podcasts, uh, anything currently that we're enjoying, you will find those in the show notes. Or you'll find it somewhere in and around all the information that you usually find in a podcast. And a reminder that if you'd like to know more about what I do, if you want more of tools, resources, any recommendations, readings, uh, free training, products and such, then you can find all of that on the website jakeadamdavy.com. Equally, if you want to come over and say hello, Instagram is always the best place and the account is at jakeadamdavy. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't hesitate to leave us a review. Of course, the more stars, the better. And equally, sharing is caring. So if you've heard something or listened to something that you've enjoyed yourself and you think will be beneficial or useful to other people, please do pass that on. It will be very much appreciated. And as you know, when you get a recommendation from somebody that you trust, there really is nothing better. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay on mission, do something extraordinary for others, keep inspiring and keep growing your circle of influence. Goodbye.